Welcome to Chapter 49 of the Kinsman Die Podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. And with each episode, when it makes sense, I provide some commentary about the source materials I've referenced in the text. This week, we're back with Vidar. It's been quite a long time since his last chapter, episode 35. In that chapter, he and his warband, along with some Ain Harar, attacked the Jotun rearguard at the mining camp in the mountains near Hulls. Vidar made a couple tactical errors when assaulting the Jotun, but he and his warband prevailed. We rejoin him now. So let's get to it. Chapter 49, Vidar I could have done without seeing this. Vidar held the witch lamp higher so that its dim glow made the expanse of excrement royal with the panicked crawling of more insects than he'd ever seen in one place before. Pale-bodied, sinuous, and with the sound of ten thousand dry leaves burning, they fled the light, burrowing, sliding, or skittering their way across and beneath each other. He suppressed a shudder, lowered his arm, and backed away from the jakes. Mikiel and Smar swam up into the light, hands on their weapons as if finding a big pile of Jotun excrement heralded an attack. More likely, their attention stemmed from the low rustling of insects. Even six spears distant, the sound made his skin itch. Let's head back, he said, gesturing back down the tunnel to the main chamber. Mikil and Smar fell in behind him, his garlon appointed personal protectors. The big one, Smar, had a round, cheery face and a scraggly beard. A sword length shorter, Mikil moved like a whip. He had a scar down the left side of his face from brow to thick beard. At Vidar's orders, everyone here moved as a single large group or in groups of threes, always at least one set of eyes to watch. They had yet to come across the Jotun who'd fled into the mine. They'd also had yet to find the Jotun base and its expected cache of supplies. As the trio returned to the main cavern, their light merged with the torches held by Garlon and his two companions. Vidar gave Garlon a wry look. I see why you didn't want to go back in. Jakes are a bit different topside, Garlon said with a quick grin. I'll never put them close to camp again. I can say that much. Behind Garlon, a circle of torches and witch lamps brought a dusk level of light to the big cavern. Their camp was laid on top of the wide-planked oak hub about six spears across that the miners had built as a staging area for the nine tracks that ran like spokes on a wagon's wheel to the individual tunnels from which sky metal ore had been extracted. I don't even want to think about how much shit is in that pile, Garlon continued. Especially since the miners probably used that same spot for who knows how long. I wouldn't hang my ass over that, Mikkel said, his voice a lean rasp, just audible above the trickling stream of water a spear's distance from them. Smar laughed and wriggled, frantically brushing his hands across his rear as if something had just crawled on it. Garlon jerked his head back toward the camp's pool of light. Why don't you four head on back? The Jarl and I will be along behind you. We'll be safe enough. Mikiel nodded, Smar grinned, and the two with Garlon, Lukur, and Harofen stepped over the stream and headed off. 
The water ran back to a small, shallow pool fed by a sheet of water flowing out of a crack in which they'd started calling the cavern's back wall. From what Vidar could tell, the cavern was roughly egg-shaped. Any of the walls could be the back wall. It just depended on where you were headed. When the four warriors were out of earshot, Garlon said, So do we keep going, Jarl? They were maybe three nights from the surface. Figuring out how much actual time had passed by normal means, the rise and set of Sol and Morny, was obviously difficult. It was an interesting problem, which he might try to solve once things settled down. Any word from the other groups sent into the mine shafts? he asked. Garlon shook his head. Only three groups have returned. Nothing yet. Vidar pursed his lips and switched the witch lamp to his other hand. They had followed the fleeing Jotun's trail signs. Scraped walls, footprints, dust disturbed, broken rock. But it wasn't until they'd come this far that it became obvious the fleeing Jotun were not only following the only route down, but they were retracing the steps previously taken by a much larger force. At least a full warband, possibly more. But if there was a second Jotun warband, it had vanished into the mountains or headed straight west, away from any austere settlements. So one of a few things happened, he said, extending a thumb. The Jotun snuck across the breach, stole across Asgard, then slipped into this mine and marched all the way down here and hid, though they may not have camped in this deep cavern the whole time. Garlon nodded, eyes narrowing. Makes a certain amount of sense. If they had arrived so early, they needed to hide. But why not just time it better and attack right when they arrived? Exactly, Vidar said. He extended a forefinger. Another option is they came across the breach, but found a way into this mine somewhere east of here, up in the mountains southwest of Ifington, maybe. The Gothi didn't mention anything about other entrances. Maybe he didn't know about it, or maybe the Jotun just got lucky. Vidar extended another finger. A third option is they sailed across the Thund, marched over the mountains, and hid in here. Or maybe they found an entrance along the northern cliffs that face the Thund. This mine could run right through the mountain to the Thund. In my opinion, Jarl, that makes the most sense. Even though the Gothi didn't mention other entrances. It also explains how they had enough provisions. Much easier to carry them aboard ship, or several ships, than on your back or on horses. Unless unless they had help from someone in halls or elsewhere. He couldn't pursue that alternative now, not down here, and since he was here, it made sense to look into the other possibilities. The question was, which tunnel led north? Above ground, he could tell, but down here? He kicked the wooden track that ran past his feet. And these tracks would have provided an easy way to transport supplies offloaded from ships, or from the surface. He knelt beside the tracks and held the witch lamp close to them. They were dusty and worn, but they didn't look recently used. He pulled his sweat-soaked shirt from his chest. It was inexplicably hot down here. He and everyone else wore their lightest shirts. Still, he insisted they carry their winter gear wherever they went. If one of these tunnels emerged on the mountain's northern flank, they'd be glad for the warm clothing. The three groups, did they go to the end of the shafts they were exploring, or did they just turn around? 
If they didn't go to the end, I'll have them mucking out that pile of shit and bugs, Garlon said, looking back at the camp's glow. But I'll find out for certain, Jarl. Garlon stepped slightly closer and lowered his voice. You should know, Jarl, that the warriors dislike being down here. They'll go where you lead, of course, just uneasy is all. Vidar nodded. Thank you, Kjallar. He was, in fact, already aware of it. Maybe it was the edginess gained from constantly watching his fulga, or maybe it was from slogging alongside the others. Either way, he was more attuned to his warriors' moods than ever before. He didn't want to spend more time down here either. It was unnatural. But stay they would, until he had some answers. Well, folks, that was Chapter 49 of Kinsman Die. I hope you enjoyed it. Vidar, Garillon, and the warband with them have tracked the Jotun deep into the mines of more, um, the mines beneath the mountains north of Halls. Readers know that the Jotun used a doorway to access Asgard and Halls, but Vidar has yet to find it. Next week, we're back with Odin. Until then, if you have the time and inclination, please rate and or review the podcast. That helps boost the show's visibility, as does sharing it. And as always, I'm going to read from both the Bellows and Larrington translations of the Havamal, the sayings of the High One. Bellows, verse 49. My garments once in a field I gave to a pair of carven poles. Heroes they seemed when clothes they had, but the naked man is not. Larrington, verse 49. My clothes I gave out in the field to two wooden men. Champions they thought themselves when they had clothing. The naked man is despised. Thanks for listening.